But yeah, as Sowers said, my name is Steven, uh, junior guys leader here. And for those of you who don't know me, I'll, I'll say a little bit more because I feel like if you're not a junior or senior guy, you probably don't know much about me. But yeah, I intern here at Christchurch Lake Forest, graduated in May with my MDiv, same program. Uh, so Master Divinity, sorry. I don't know why I said that as if that's like common knowledge. Uh, Aiden, also in that program, he's graduating May, he's a senior guys leader. Babby did that program, Salard did that program at Trinity, so a lot of fun connections there. Um, yeah, and a week after I graduate, I'm getting married to Danny, who's sophomore <laughs> girls leader. So I'm also a little excited about that, yeah, showing my cards here, yeah. And then some fun facts, I was born in the year 2000, so born in that millennium, so that's kind of fun. My favorite food is Greek and Italian. And I am Greek and Italian, so I'm a little biased, but I really like it. And then I don't have a middle name, which is fine, because my last name's really long. It's Didamizio, so it's, it's plenty, plenty long. Don't need it. It's traditional. I don't know why we do it. But yeah, with that covered, we're going to spend some time in Philippians 4 today. So we're going to spend some time with that text. And it should be on the screen in a second. But my goal for tonight is to look at peace and this passage, to summarize it, and then talk about peace and joy and what the Bible teaches about them. And I want to focus on some obstacles that lead to peace and joy, right? But we'll start by reading this passage. So it should be up there. Yep. So, wow, that's not huge. I'm sorry about that. But hopefully you have decent vision. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for your word and how we can learn from it to grow closer to you. Help me to speak truthfully and effectively to the students tonight. Amen. So back in May, speaking of Trinity, we went on a class trip to Europe. It was three weeks. It was great. Aiden was on it. Danny was on it. It was a great time. And part of this trip, I mean, we're, we're in some of the most tourist, famous cities in the world, and we're just constantly moving. Tons of public transportation. I mean, our agendas were packed. We were exhausted every day. And one thing I learned on this trip was that I, I learned that, that the difference between someone who's born and raised on a farm in the Midwest and someone like me it's from New Jersey, like the densest state in the U.S. and is used to New York City, is way different expectations, totally different expectations about city life. And one story I'll share is one of the students thought that they were getting pickpocketed on a train in Paris. Scary, right? And, and, and justifiably so. She shared it, said it was one of the scariest moments of their life. And part of me is like, okay, yeah, I get it. In most places, it's not completely normal to have people in your face all the time, elbows in your side, your nose is in people's armpits on trains. It's not very pleasant. But then the other part of me was like, well, like, what did you expect? Like, come on, we're in cities. We're like, I don't know. You should expect to get jostled around and get tossed around. And you should expect people to grab your wallet. Like in New York, whenever I go to the city, you, ex- you basically expect, you don't, you don't even get phased when someone tries to grab your wallet. You're just like, oh, like, nice try. And then you just keep walking. Like, it's so... It's so standard. You just expect a certain level of turmoil and conflict. So I just learned, like, wow, okay, expectations, pretty important. And C.S. Lewis says that. He says, expectations are everything. So that's this next slide, that, that expectations are the filter through which you're reading and seeing what's happening. And Christians are losing their peace and they're losing their joy all the time because they don't expect the attacks 
on peace and joy that are inevitable. So the reality is we're going to be sad at sometimes, and we're going to be depressed sometimes, we're going to be upset sometimes, but that's okay. A lot of our anger and frustration comes from this feeling of, well, it's not supposed to be like this. I don't want to be like this. And what I want to say is we need proper expectations. So in the Christian life, we need proper expectations. We're going to talk about how do we set those expectations? What are the roadblocks that lead to joint peace? So we've talked about this before, so I don't want to spend a ton of time here. But the Christian has more enemies. So the Christian has more enemies than they had than we were a non-Christian. Okay, so you really only have one enemy when you're a non-Christian, and it was God. And it's not because he's a mean guy, not a mean person, but it's because by nature, we're alienated from God. We're separated from God by nature. And Paul says in Romans, we're enmity with him. We're fighting with him, and that's just our nature. But even God, as our enemy, tries to save all the people who are trying to kill him. So I want to illustrate this relationship with my lifeguard certification course. So in my lifeguard certification course, we talked about saving drowning people. Okay, it came up a few times. It was kind of the whole point. And one thing we learned as we did that is, one thing I learned is that when you go out to save someone, typically when you go out there, they're not gonna, you're not going to get out there and they'll be like, oh, thank you, you're here. You, oh, what do you want me to do? How can I help you like, fix this situation and say, like, that never happens. You get out there, they feel, they're, they justifiably think that they're dying. And that you get out there, they grab your hair, they grab your skin, they scratch you, they punch you, they kick you, they, they, they put all their weight on you, and, and they don't know it, but they're basically trying to drown you while you're trying to save them, you're trying to get them on the life, right? you're trying to do all this stuff, and so what we see here is that as a lifeguard, you're just taking it. You take all the punches, take all the kicks, you take, you take all this because you're trying to save that person, and we get this, this view, this picture from the Bible about our relationships to God in our natural state. That's the way we're born. We're born fighting with God, alienated from God, separated from God. And, and the minute we actually make peace with him, instantly all of God's enemies become our enemies. All right, and that's the next, oh, it's already up there. You have enemies, okay? Pretty simple. You have more enemies and they're not so nice enemies, okay? So before your main enemy life, good guy, God, someone who loved you, someone who cared about you, someone who's doing everything he could to wake you up. And now you become a Christian, which is great, but now you have, your enemies are bad guys. And, and we've talked about these three enemies before, and we'll get into it later, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, if you don't have the proper expectations, you are not going to have a good time. And if you come into Christianity, and unfortunately some of you may have, without someone immediately telling you that you have much meaner enemies. They're not greater, they're not more powerful than God, but they're a lot meaner than you've ever had in your life before. And somebody has to say to Christians, and I'm saying it to you now in case you haven't heard it before, that you have enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so every single one of them, if you're a Christian, they can't destroy your salvation. And we see this directly from Jesus. Jesus says, you are my own. No one can pluck you out of God's hand. Your salvation is safe. They can't get to your salvation. But what they can do is, is, is work together to make you totally ineffective, totally miserable, and, and attack your peace and joy. And that's what they're out there to do. And so tonight, I want to talk a little bit about joy and peace and spend a little bit more time talking about those three enemies. All right, I know this doesn't necessarily sound like the most fun talk out there, and I get that, but I'm telling you ahead of time. So set your expectations, all right? We could practice setting our expectations. Think about like if you were getting refreshed with an ice bucket of water, like expect that sensation, bam, that's going to be this talk. It's going to be great. We're all going to feel refreshed, all right? Maybe, I don't know, set your expectations. But in order to talk about joy and peace, we need to make an important distinction first. We need to talk about the distinction 
between happiness and joy. So happiness, I think this word happiness, it comes from the Latin word hap. It's where we get words like perhaps, happenstance. It basically just means chance. And so we tend to think of happiness, the pursuit of happiness, and associated with health, wealth, success, those those titles and status, possessions, those types of things. And it's largely regarded as a spontaneous response to temporary momentary pleasures, things that make you feel good real quick, all that dopamine, yeah, all of that stuff. And, 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 it's, and we think that the world is good when we're doing these things. And so by contrast, joy is different because it's not determined by a sense of well-being, because we can experience joy even when things aren't going well, which is not true with happiness. So when, as some of us might be, facing sickness, dealing with the loss of a loved one, maybe you're facing the uncertainty of life right now, maybe you've lost a significant sense of security in your life right now. So if happiness depends on what happens, joy is distinguishable because it shapes our attitudes to our circumstances and to our surroundings. And so that's, that's joy. Now, peace What does the Bible say about peace? The Bible says that peace is confidence and trust in God's wise control of your life. So peace is steadiness, while the opposite of peace is anxiety. And we see that here in this verse. So we can get to that next slide with the verses. Yeah. And so in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will result. So anxiety as opposed to peace. So where do you get this piece from? This is a great verse, because it tells us. It says, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So many have pointed out this in this verse, that all your requests have to be presented with thanksgiving. And some of you might be thinking, like, what, what the heck does that mean? Well, how, how can you be thankful for something when you're just making a request for it? And so commentators point out this aspect and say, this is the key right here. This is the secret. So and it's on the next slide, that, that, that the answer is that you thank God before you make the request, okay? And what this looks like is, Lord, whatever you do in response to this request is good, and I thank you for it. So if I'm asking for something which is at the wrong time and you don't give it to me, I thank you for it. If, if you give me something that's the literal opposite of what I asked for, uh, uh, even though it's going to be very, very difficult, I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm not going to force joy because that would be wrong. But I know that you're a God who knows what you're doing, and I trust in your good and wise control of my life. That's what that looks like, to thank God ahead of time for the things you requested. That's the key that we're seeing right here. So then your peace, obviously, when you're doing that, is just this unbelievable confidence and trust that, God, you're wise. You have the control of my life. And so as I said earlier, the opposite of peace is worry anxiety. And I want to look at this a little bit more with a story we see at the end of Luke 10, which tells the story of Mary and Martha. So these two sisters, Martha and Mary, all right, they have Jesus over to eat. And basically Martha's running all around the house. She's running around, running around. And it says she's anxious, which is the Greek word. It says merimnes, which means, literally means to have her mind divided, just way too many goals. And Mary is just sitting there having her quiet time with Jesus. And Martha starts to get a little like, I don't know, maybe, maybe your mom does this when she's getting ready for holidays, but a little like, hey, like, Mary, we got some work to do. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy you have your quiet time, but like, we got a, the house is a mess. We got a lot of work to do. I'm not really appreciating you right now. And so, and then Mary gets up and she goes, it doesn't matter there's a million things to do. It doesn't matter that the house is a wreck. I'm getting my time with Jesus. And so are you, are you a Mary or are you a Martha? And Jesus says, in that text, that Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Mary has found the one thing needful, 
Mary is single-minded. And, and so that's the next, next slide, that, that peace is single-minded. Mary has got the one thing that she's looking for, and you have a hundred things. And I'm glad I'm one of the hundred things you're thinking about, Martha. Like, that's great. That's great. I'm not offended. But you're in trouble until I'm the one thing that you're thinking about. And so how do we live out this piece and put it to use? It, it's simple. As we, if we follow the text, and we don't have to put it back up there right now, but, but it basically says in verse 8, and it lists these things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. And it lists all these things. It says to think on these things. And then Paul says in verse 9, and do what I said. So we're told to think on these things, or Jesus might say in other passages, to consider these things. And to put it differently, you can either talk to your heart or you can listen to your heart. So there's, there's two things that you can do with your heart, all right? You can, you can sit and listen to your heart, which some of you operate like this. Your heart's just all day saying, like, oh my goodness, like, I have so much to do. I got to do this. I can't forget to do that. When do I got to be there? When do I got to do this? Ah, da, da, da. And you freak out, like, all day. And some, some of us are, I mean, I operate like that sometimes. And uh, so you could do that. Or if you don't want to do that, you can talk to your heart. And this is modeled in Psalm 42. Okay? And, and it's not going to be up there, but, but basically in this psalm, we see David is depressed. And he says, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you cast down on my, cast down on my soul? And who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. He's talking to his soul. Okay? And, and what, is, what is he saying? He's saying, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you turmoil within me? Hope in God. So what he's doing, instead of listening to his heart, is he's talking to it. He's saying, think about who created you. Think about who died for you. Don't forget the Holy Spirit is with you. Don't forget you're a child of God. Remember all the things you believe. Think, think, consider these things. So worry is listening to your heart. Peace comes from talking to your heart. It should be up there as well. So, so talking about what? What are we talking about with our heart? You telling her like, I don't know, dad jokes, funny jokes. You're asking how the day's going. Obviously not. You're talking about who you are in Christ. All right? So, so finally, I want to start wrapping up by talking about these enemies. Uh, so we can, get, we can get to that next one where we just want to define the world, the flesh, and the devil. So, so what are they? And, and first of all, the world is a mindset, okay? It's not an individual. And I've heard pastors use this term. I really like it. I think it should be up there in a sec. It, it's called nowism okay so so this the world being interchangeable with secular which basically just means now it's just the now and the present so when the worldly means in the bible what that means in the bible is a mindset here of of just the here the now what you see is what you get that's all that matters nothing else matters and and this looks like this could look like a lot of things this is all the images all, all the appearances your reputation your status that's that's what the mindset of the world is, and that's what that's dealing with. So now, next you have the flesh, and we can get that up there. The, the, this is the selfish part of you that wants to be God. So the, the flesh is, is not necessarily the body, but when the Bible talks about flesh, it's the desire to be God, to call your own shots, to live for your own glory. And this also could have a lot of different forms. I'm sure you might know someone who's a really power-hungry person. And every time you see them, you're like, yeah, it's, it's clear what they want. They want power. Or this could look like something else. This could look like someone who maybe needs everyone to like them. They need everyone in the room to like them. Or you could have a person who just needs to control the room. They got to control the conversation. Got to control the classroom. And, and you see it. All right? Then, lastly, we have the devil, which this is a long definition. Okay? And I'm going to walk us through it. But I want to put it all up there because, yeah, I wanted to. But the devil 
or saints, so that, that's the name, is a personal spiritual being, okay, so that's, that's who he is, who rebelled against God, that's what he did in the past, rebelled against God, and leads a spiritual kingdom. So that's what he's doing right now, leading a spiritual kingdom, composed of demonic power, powers, plural, he's got some help, and who oppose God's purpose through various schemes. So these schemes, these are the means in which they're doing this. So through various schemes that are designed to keep men and women, so us, out of God's kingdom and to render Christians, us, immature and ineffective in reaching the world everywhere else with the gospel of Christ, which is the Bible, which is what we believe. And so some of you might be thinking, like, man, Stephen, that sounds really out there. Like, it's 2022, I have TikTok, I know this isn't real. And, and what I want to say to that is, if you don't believe this, you're a very small minority of human beings in the history of the world and the place of the world who, who, who doesn't believe that. And I just, I just want you to realize that, that most people have understood this, and you can't make sense of the Bible without it. Okay, so, so now we got all three of these covered, all three of these defined, the world, the flesh, and the devil. What I want to say is they, they always operate together. Therefore, all the reasons that for the things that take our peace and joy, they're very, they're very complicated. They're complex. It's never just going to be one thing that takes our peace and joy. These are complicated, multivariable issues that are going on. And, and I want to give an example. So I'm assuming most of us have social media, all right? Some of you might be famous and have platforms. That's great. That's great. I, I want to... Yeah, I'll stop there. There's statistics on this, though, all right? So after, after you've seen however many millions of posts of influencers and famous people and celebrities and all these ads, that by the time you're 25, you start to believe that if you're in any, in any sort of way attractive, you have to look like these people on social media. And, and that's the world doing that, this mindset and, and shaping this. And so what happens is, so that's what the world's doing. Then the flesh gets a hold of what the world's up to. Flesh gets a hold of it, and it can do a lot of mean things from there. All right? It can drive you to spend way too much time and energy and anxiety and money on your appearance. It can drive you to treat your body in, in, in unhealthy ways to get that appearance. And it, it can drive you to the need to be sexually active or to be more sexually attractive. And, and, and it can drive you to live a lifestyle that's it's really unhealthy and, and selfish and harmful. And so after the flesh gets a hold of what the world told it, then we have the devil, okay? And the devil comes alongside you, and the devil's job is to lie and to accuse you, all right? The main job of the devil is not to tempt you. Some people think of the devil as a tempter. He's the accuser, all right? He's the prosecutor, okay? And so what this looks like, and you always kind of know when the devil's coming alongside you because it always starts something like this, and you call yourself a Christian, that's, that's, that's when the devil's coming in. And now the main way in which, and this is important, because the main way in which your joy and peace is destroyed by the will of the flesh and the devil is getting after your assurance of salvation, bringing that in at the end. And they talk about your past. Think about all the things that you've done. Or they come after your feelings. Like, why don't you feel for this anymore? Like, you remember when you used to feel love and joy and peace? What's, what's going on now? Why, why isn't that there? And, and they never tell the whole story. And, 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 and feelings aren't the basis of your salvation anyways. God doesn't love you or save you based on your feelings. So, so, or they might talk about your recurrent sins and say, you should be better by now. And, and maybe you should, by the way. I want to say that, 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 that they might be right. That's, that's the point. Most of the lies have a lot of truth in them. And, and this is where I point to Tim Keller because he puts this very well. He says, and this is the next slide, they're trying to get you to look more at your sins 
and less at your Savior. So they don't want you to look at your Savior. They want you to obsess and dwell on and focus on all of your sins and not look at your Savior. So, so as I'm wrapping up, what, what, and I really want you to walk away with this, is what are we going to do about it? So you need to constantly come back and say, it's not my feelings, it's not my sins, it's not, it's not my record that makes me a Christian. What makes me accepted by God is what Jesus Christ has done for me. And that, that's a, there's a sense in which the world of flesh and the devil, they will always be getting after the gospel, trying to keep you from the gospel. And that's why we need to keep telling ourselves the gospel and, and preach it to ourselves. And, and the way you do that is to say, the reason I'm feeling so bad today is that I still want to feel like I'm good enough to be saved. And you know what? I'm not. And I never was. And of course, I shouldn't have done that thing last week. But even if I hadn't done that thing last week, I was still would not be good enough to be accepted. And, and, and it's only... That, 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 that it's only through the mercy of Jesus Christ. It's not through me. And so the world, the flesh, the devil, they're after you. You'll be fine. Have the right expectations. And, and please give yourself grace. Jesus was constantly a man of sorrows and weeping. And some of the like, most prominent Christians throughout history have wrestled with this. This is not an easy thing. So give yourself grace. And also, you'll get back to your joy and peace faster if you're not so bummed out that you don't have it right this minute, right this second, every second of every waking moment of the day. So, concluding thought, just, just look to your Savior more than you look at your sins. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we can go to small groups. So, 